This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is, and what AA can do to help. Then, we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hello, my name is Teresa and I am an alcoholic. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Teresa. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places. Prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. 
It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, Teresa, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, thank you so much. It's my honor and privilege to share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, I love that the reading that you just read. That was wonderful. I mean, that's that's alcoholism in a nutshell. Mm. So, um, yeah, I am happy to uh, yeah to be here. And so, who am I? I'm married to a Kiwi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met him um, about 27, 28 years ago in California. Right. He had gone to the U.S. for um, graduate school. We'd met, and I'd say about a month. We were totally in love. Within a month of meeting each other, I told him I might have an issue with um, alcohol. Right. And uh, and uh, he said to me, hmm, interesting, you should say that. Uh, I got sober uh with Alcoholics Anonymous at the age of 20 in New Zealand, in mm-hmm. Invercargill. So my husband has been sober for over 40 years, and he 12-stepped me all the way. Wow. Yeah, so I'm very grateful. I love him. He stuck by me because you'll hear through my story that um, for 20 years I fought this program. I just didn't get how sick I was. Yep. Alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Mm. It's out to destroy you. It's progressive. It's a fatal disease. Mm. And um, you can ask any of us on the other side, us, us lucky ones who survived. Uh, we all have similar stories, yet different, but we all have the same message. You can have the life that you deserve, wow. the life that you want. You do not do not let this disease take you down mm. because that's what it's setting out to do is just destroy everything mm. that you have in your life, whatever's left of it. Mm. Yeah. So, so Teresa, let's let's talk a little bit about then what it was like for you when you started drinking. How did how did you know in in your childhood and your teens? Tell us tell us about what it was like. Yeah. Um. So I I started off. I'll, I'll say this as well. I'm one of eight children. Mm-hmm. Seven out of eight of us are alcoholics. Wow. So we have the the gene in our family. My father uh, did not drink when I was growing up. He is the alcoholic. Um, my mother pretty much set him straight. Alcohol or your family. He chose mm. the family. We were lucky. Uh, but we still have the gene. So growing up in my family, we were all very social, big Italian family, and uh Drinking was kind of what we did in our small town. So I grew up that way, and it was all good and having a good time up until it wasn't a good time mm. anymore. And I'd say, like, in my 20s, um, the couple times I tried control drinking, I was able to do it. Like, okay. I, you know, you'd have a hangover. I'm not going to drink for a month. And I could. Got to my 40s, and it was done. You know, I could not do that anymore. I had no control. I came into AA at 39. Today I'm 61. And... um for, you know, I just, I don't know, I came in with my arrogance. I've got a higher education. You know, I've had a successful career. I just, uh, I did not get step one. Mm. The powerlessness I got, you mm. know, I'm an alcoholic. I'm no control. I get that, you know. It kept slamming me into a wall. What I didn't get was that unmanageability because I'm like, well, I do volunteer work. I have a job. Mm. I have my kids, my husband, tons of friends, family. Blah, blah, blah. The unmanageability, though, is so much deeper in that. It's like, how are those personal relationships going? How are you feeling inside? Mm, you mm. know, um, you haven't any, are your emotions going up and down? 
And um, and I have a feel. My background is in mental health, so um, so yeah. So I do understand. You know, you can understand the disease from one from one perspective, but when you're living it, it's it's biting you. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. What do I want to say? No amount of understanding of the disease could save me. Mm. You know, that, mm. that was my point. The, the self knowledge. Yeah. Le- Le- you you mentioned slamming me into the wall. What <laughs> did that look like? What were some of the consequences oh my of your drinking? Okay, well the worst consequence I've had, and this happened ten years ago. Um I picked up my kids from school. They were seven and eight at the time mm. and um I was in a blackout. Mm. So my husband was coming home from a, an international trip that night, and I think I was just excited. I don't even drink wine. Some odd reason during the day, I opened a bottle of wine, and um, because that's what happens, right? It just, you know, that alcohol. You know, you shouldn't, and you just do because we're sick. We're very sick with this disease. We have no control over it. So I just picked up and started drinking. I do not remember leaving the house. Um. I woke up in jail. Mm. I woke up in a jail. I was in a room with like 15 or so other women, so hungover, so Mm. sick. And my first thought was, what did I do? You know, did I kill somebody? Why am I here? And this was about 9 o'clock at night, and I was scared. I had no idea. I just have no memory leaving the house at all. And uh, I'd say the lawyer came in about 1 in the morning said, yeah, you're— Got some serious problems here. Your kids are in the car. Um, you're looking at a lot of charges. And um, that was really, really scary. Mm. And my first thought was, did I kill anyone? Did I kill anyone? It's like, no, you didn't hit anyone. You're weaving all over the bridge in the opposite direction. I was supposed to be heading into San Francisco for my daughter's recital at um, the San Francisco School of Ballet. And instead, I was heading in the complete opposite mm. direction with them. Mm. Who knows why? Um, but apparently I was weaving. People called um, 911, which is our emergency, mm. and the police pulled me over. And <laughs> I found this out in court, but when they opened the door, I guess the first thing I said is, I'm Teresa, I'm an alcoholic. Wow. So, and that was after a bunch of years of trying to get this program. And, right. You know, and, so so that was scary. I and, mean, that was, you know, I could have killed my kids or anyone. That was, you would think that was my bottom. Yep. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was not my bottom. So let's talk about then, you know, you talked about years of trying to get this program. Um, you know, what was it for you that um, we describe as as our bottom, our rock bottom, and what brought us into the rooms of, of AA and recovery? I'd say I had two bottoms. One is I went to an AA meeting and I've seen people do this at, at – um, I used to go to this place called the Alano Club where they had meetings from 5 in the morning till 10 at night wow. all day long. Yeah, nonstop because there's a lot of drunks in the Bay Area. And uh, so I used to see people come in and they'd be drunk at the meetings. I'm like, why the hell are they here? Like, hmm. why come? Stay out. And that was me, my sick mind, thinking mm. that, right? And uh, and then very, at the end of this addiction, I uh, – Stopped at a market on the way to the meeting and bought shot bottles, literally. And like three times during the meeting, I went in the bathroom. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> I loved vodka. So, you know, and so I was like, okay, I'm really sick. So then I kicked it into three meetings a day and I changed my life. COVID hit and um, and I picked up again. I walked away. You know, there, the Zoom meetings weren't up yet. And I was just, you know, I was just dying to drink again, I think. 
And uh, and so my real bottom was, though, I left the house. Um, I ran, really. And uh, I was supposed to be going to a rehab in Utah, and I didn't. I landed, said, I'm not doing this. I'm not ready to do this. I went to Miami for about eight days, hung out on the beach, and then I went to Jamaica for six weeks. And this was during Christmas. I did not—no one wanted me at home. My Mm. two kids, my husband did not want me at home. It's not that they didn't want me, but they were scared for me. Mm. And and I needed—I just ran. I ran from the situation because that's what I tend to do. And uh, while I was in Jamaica on the beach— Literally, I was walking the beach. I'm listening to Drop the Rock, walking the beach. And all of a sudden, it just freaking hit me like, Teresa, get honest. Get honest with like, what the hell alcohol is doing to you in your life, Mm. how you've been, who you've harmed. And I literally like that 20 years of AA just came crashing down on me. And that was my first spiritual experience. I turned that around so quick. I went home. I went into a rehab. And uh, have not looked back. Wow. Have not. Yeah, I got it. It took that long for me to get it. Yep. Because of my, you know, arrogance, because I knew best. I was going to do the steps the way I wanted. <laughs> Every sponsor, you know, I, I was just terrible. Mm. I'm sorry for all you sponsors that I've had that I've just been <laughs> awful to. <laughs> so, Teresa, let's let's talk about, you know, um, you know, to, you know, over, you know, nearly Two and a half years of of recovery. Love it. What what are the things that you do right now? Um, you know, on a daily basis to maintain your sobriety. Oh my God, I'm so wrapped up in it. Number one, I'm I'm basically retired. Peter and I moved here. My husband and I and kids moved here a year ago to retire. We're in our sixties. Um, we just want to live the rest of our life out here with Peter's friends, family, and um. So my whole life now is AA, Uh as crazy as that sounds. I mean, I do other volunteer work in mental health in Christchurch a couple of days a week, but the rest of my week is AA. Uh I have a handful of sponsees. I do service. I'm the women's prison coordinator for Christchurch right now. I, you know, I'm I'm GSR. Uh, You know, for me personally, what do I do? First thing I get up in the morning, um, I'm, I'm my prayers. I do my readings. I do my gratitude list. I am involved in an Australian Zoom meeting that's seven days a week, Mm -hmm. and I do service for that group as well and, you know, host a couple of Zoom meetings. I'm troll patrol a couple days a week. So that's a big part of my Mm -hmm. life. That Mm -hmm. meeting, it's called GCIB Australia. It's all about the solution. I love that meeting. Mm -hmm. So I do that every morning. I uh, and then I'm just pretty much, you know, I'm just living my life, you know. Yep. I'm just doing it the, you know, via the big book and the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you touched, so. and so you touched um, on, you know, part of your daily routine is is readings and prayers. Talk yeah. to me about what you know we talk about in the program of AA being a spiritual program, not yeah. a religious program. Yeah, what does that look like for you? Oh, my God, the spiritual part? Well, all right, I was raised Catholic. I've always had a God. I've always loved that God. Now that spirituality, though, is not that God that sits upstairs with Moses, Jesus, and the rest of them. It's not. You know, it's the energy. It's the grace and the beauty within all of us, within my heart, within my mind, within your heart and mind, Louise, yours, Chris. Um, you know, it's it's nature. It sells. You know, it's that keeping myself joyful so that the the energy can flow through me. That's what 
you know, that energy of goodness and grace. I mean, that's my responsibility. I feel like that's my responsibility. Share that faith, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And when you first came into the program, you know, 20 something years ago, what was that like and how's it changed, spirituality? Well, tw- <laughs> first going in the meetings, I went in to save my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in because I wanted to stop drinking, mm. and I had no idea that this program, that, that's a very small part of it. And that goes away pretty quickly as soon as you dive into the big book or you you know start working with your sponsor. Um, it goes away pretty quickly, that, that desire to drink. It ju- it's crazy. It just disappears. Um, for me, um, going in, so that's, that's all I wanted to do. So what I would do is I'd get I, – that would go away, the drinking – and then I'd walk away from the program. Mm. Like, I just didn't give a shit about people. I just didn't. I wanted what I wanted, all about me, self-seeking, selfish, dishonest. And uh, and I carried that through, mm. you know. So I'd go to meetings. It was all social for me. I was really good at the <laughs> social part. You know, I, I got that it's a we program, but that's not what that's about, really. So, look, I just was in my own way. And then mm. the other sad part, and you guys will appreciate this, right? I used to sit in meetings and think, okay, cool, I can't drink now, but when I'm in my 70s and I'm retired, <laughs> I'm going to get in a golf cart with my girlfriends. We're going to drive around and drink beers. All right, this is the funny part. I don't even freaking play golf. <laughs> That's how sick we are, right? Like we can rationalize anything mm-hmm. in that, uh, yeah, so point being that that – I'm just so glad I got here with that spiritual experience. And quite honestly, I have them every single mm. day throughout the day. Yep. You know, I mean, my life is good. And it's not like anything's changed. Nothing. The only thing that's changed is me. Mm. I had to let go of me. Mm. You know, my husband years ago would say, you need a complete personality change. I'd be so offended. I'd be like, what the <laughs> hell, dude? You're married to me. Get used to it. And now I understand. <laughs> he he I was know, right. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, you do. You have to let go of it. Let it all go. Mm. You know, I don't know why he hung out. And I think the only reason he hung out all these years is just because he saw me trying. And he's one of us and he gets it. Mm. You know, mm. he just didn't give up. Yeah. You know? And so you, you mentioned sponsorship and the big book. Love Talk it. to us about that. What does that look like for you? Oh, my God. Well, okay. So what do I want to say? Um, you, you mentioned you sponsor people. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like, Well, because I come from a mental health background, I kind of just take people where they're at, mm-hmm. right? So – the newcomers, it's kind of really easy. You just introduce them to the program. You just do. It's really easy. Answer those questions. You, like, deal with where they're at right then. The harder ones are the ones like me that have, like, <laughs> a billion reasons why it's not, you know, how it needs to be changed, you know. Uh, so they're harder. But you know what? If they're if if they've slipped, we're back at step one. Mm. You know what I mean. So mm. I just work the program, you know, per person, mm. where they're at, how fast they want to go. I try to get them through those steps quickly, mm. at least the first mm. time. Don't get hung up on step four, where we're looking at our harms done to others, where we're looking how we how we operate in life. Don't get hung up on that. Just a few majors. 
Let's get it out there. Let's mm. start those amends. And then you're going to come back and you're going to do it again and again <laughs> yeah. and again. So I think I'm just trying to show them that, that this is a way of life. It's a beautiful way of life, not about religion. It's about taking your problems within and giving it to the power outside of yourself, right? Mm. The God outside of yourself, whatever God that is. You know, people that just are anti-religion, God, add an O, good, the goodness within all of us, right? You're in a room of alcoholics. Mm. You look at the empathy, the understanding, the love in their eyes. Man, you get it. That's God. That's God within them, you know? Mm. And that's the closest thing I feel like we're going to get to and God get to with God on this earth mm. today. So, yeah. um, yeah, so don't be afraid. My fear held me back for so long. And then that stupid-ass brain of mine thinking I knew how to do it. Yeah, don't do that, guys. Just put yeah. down the bottle, hang in the meetings till you get it. Keep coming back. That's mm. what we used to say. It's what we say. Mm. And it saved my life. Yeah. First thing I heard in a meeting I didn't hear anything else because I was looking at how all the women were dressed. But it's like, <laughs> it's how we do it, um, is keep coming back. Some guy stood up. I don't even know why he stood up. It, I, I mean, now I look back. I'm like, was he speaking to me? So I keep coming back. And I do keep coming back. And yep. I want that for everyone in this program, even those who slip. We, we love you. And mm. let us love you till you mm. can love yourself. And, and Teresa, I guess, you know, you you did touch on it briefly, but someone who might be wondering, you know, do I have a problem? Am I an alcoholic? What are some of the things they could ask themselves? Um, look, if you pick up and you're just planning on having one or two and you have five or six, that's questionable, right? Because five or six, a lot of alcohol. Don't tell your, don't kid yourself that a six pack of beer is normal drinking. It's not. Right. And I know that we're used to it. Our bodies, as mm. we drink more and more, our bodies get used to it. And we can take on more and more. And we tend to hang out with other people that drink. Mm. That's questionable, too. Like, not everyone drinks, guys. We're alcoholics. We find our people mm. and we drink with them. So I think that the thing is when you pick up, at, well, number one, if you're blacking out, that's a huge flag. But if you're picking up and you can't stop, that's a problem. If you're having a pro, if you're a drinker, even if you consider yourself a moderate drinker, you're having problems getting to work. Mm. You're calling in sick. You're lying. Mm. You're lying about stuff. You're lying to people about what you're drinking. And how about this? Just that your relationships in your life aren't great, and you wonder why. Mm. And I'll tell you one more thing: if you're going to a therapist or a counselor. If they don't ask you how much you're drinking or how alcohol and drugs may be playing a part in your life, just be honest and tell them. Mm. If you think even an inkling that alcohol might be an issue, you let that counselor know because they're going to take you in a whole different direction. And hopefully that direction will get you in Alcoholics Anonymous and it won't get you sitting in therapy for a year and mm -hmm. a half talking about yourself going nowhere. Mm. Okay. Oh, Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Aww, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And honestly, guys, if you have a problem with drinking, just check it 
out. Mm. Check Alcoholics Anonymous out. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is our textbook. We live by it. We are not a religious cult. We really are just people that have a disease called alcoholism, and we don't want to see you die. Mm. We don't want to see you in jail. We do not want to see you in an insane asylum. And we don't want your children, your family, your friends to be hurt by your actions and what you're doing. You're Mm. not a bad person. You have a disease. And thank you for allowing me to share my experience, strength, and hope. Thanks, Teresa. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm and repeats again on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.